Hello and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast by Providence Church in Omaha, Nebraska. My name is Gabe, and today I'm joined by Jared Cleaver and Andrew Rutten. Um, and this week we're talking about community. Over the past couple weeks, we've been going through the core values of Providence and just asking the question, what slash why is that a core value of Providence? And this week we're on the value of community, which is a very fitting thing for our current cultural moment, right? So people long for community everywhere. It's in songs. It's uh, it's in every love song, a desire to be like with someone. It's in Randy Newman's, you know, you've got a friend in me. Um, but I guess to start this conversation, what uh, what is like the driving force behind us like craving community? What have you guys seen theologically in your own life? Like why do we crave community? Yeah, I mean, I think you're totally right that we do crave community. We see whole TV shows like Friends or How I Met Your Mother, painting this picture <laughs> yeah. of like, oh, that's what my friend group could be like. It's just so great. And I think it's, I mean, at a very simple, basic level, it's just it's just wired in us. Like we crave um, the idea of of being with people, of of being known by people and having people to be able to call friends. And it's not just a random coincidence that both extroverts and introverts, old people, young people, quiet people, loud people crave community, but it's actually wired in us. And um, I believe that comes from God from the very beginning that, that we're supposed to be in relationship with other people. Yeah, I find it super interesting. In Genesis 2, a, um, God made like the whole garden, right? And he uh, had man in like this perfect place with God himself, but he was alone and he said it was not good. Um, Andrew, why do you think like, like why is that in our, I guess like our holy text? Like why did God say it's not good for man to be alone? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting in the Genesis account because you do have God creating Adam in his image and in his likeness. uh, And then you see Adam, in the midst of the garden with all the other animals, all the other things that God has created, he's naming them. And there is a sense of community. I guess you could kind of say he's with all these things, um, but there's not another being like him. And so God says, it's, it's not good that you would be alone. And so there's this driving force that there's this sameness in Adam that's in God that he needed somebody else like him to be in community with. And we would say, as you kind of go through Scripture, um, that that's because God is the same way, that he is uh, the Trinitarian God, which is you know one God in three persons, that there is uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all three in this eternal community within each other, this... Um, this just odd sense of, you know, it's this kind of above us, what we can fully grasp, but this sense of community that God just is in himself. And as he created mankind in his image and likeness, there's a similar drive for uh, a need for community. And so I think that's why you mentioned some of those TV shows or, you know, we see uh, when you see, you know, you're scrolling through Facebook or something and you see on Friday night all these people that are out hanging out with each other. Just doing things together with one another, there is something in each and every one of our hearts that craves that immediately. You just you kind of want something like that, 
and I think we would say that the Bible says that's because you were created in the image of God, which is in himself uh, a communal God, oddly enough, because he's one God. So um, so I think that's kind of the, the driving force. And Jared, you touched on that a little bit, that as we think about community, um, it has to begin with God, our creator, as you know, a triune God. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, yeah, and I've totally been there as far as just, you know, you're scrolling through Facebook, and you're like, man, you're looking at other people's lives, and you see this picture of community, and you're like, I just wish, like, I had that, you know? You're like, or you watch Friends, which I don't really like that show. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, there's this sense where, like, you kind of want, like, this tribe, and then you look around at your life, and you're like, where is, like, my tribe or whatever? You know, like, where's my friend group? How come no one's invited me to the cafe? You know, (laughs) it's totally wired in us. Like, you know, I think the Bible lays it out just like Andrew said, and it's totally wired in us. And God interacts with us in that way by trying to set us up as community, try to set us up as church families, to try to set up marriages and families, to be able to reflect the fact that we, uh, we want and crave other people. And we also, we need other people. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of cool to think about, um, just how, when you think about the Trinity, is that there's this uh, complementary nature to how they're selfless and moving toward one another, and they, they, uh, there's this life-giving nature to how they interact, and that's exactly how God has created us mm-hmm. to interact with each other in a life-giving uh, way toward one another. Yeah. And I do think, too, I mean, some people might say the you know, somebody listening might have that desire of like, I just want to go out into nature all by myself and I can just be by myself. Like that is, you know, the holiest place for me. And that might be true for a short time, but right. I mean, you look at a, a movie like Castaway, right? A man who is isolated on an Island by himself, eventually his whole mind just breaks down. Like he cannot (laughs) function as a human being in an extended period of time. And that's a movie that, you know, we would look at that and say, yeah, I could see that happening. Like, you just, you cannot function long periods of time um, just in complete isolation. We're just wired to have some sort of interaction. I mean, he makes a, a volleyball in the form of, like, a person because he needs some sort of likeness, like himself, to communicate with, to be with, and to have some sort of community with. And so while while I agree that, you know, you mentioned, you know, maybe even some introverts would say, I actually love just being by myself and that may be true for a little while, but in each and every one of us, we cannot go long stretches uh, of days and days and days or weeks or years and function in a healthy way without some sense of community. Yeah. It's wired in us. Mm, that's good. And yeah, I think that's a good point because, I mean, inevitably, like, um, so the, the picture of Adam in the garden was at the very beginning and shortly after uh, sin enters in. And, yeah, I think sin can drive us to, like, an unhealthy isolation. Um, But I feel like there's another way, like, sin can kind of muck up our view of community. Um, And I don't know, what are some of the ways that you guys see us sort of going the opposite way, where we maybe desire too much from our community, or I don't know. How has sin affected us the other way on the spectrum? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, uh, (laughs) there are all sorts of ways that, um, that we can um, fall into this. So there's some like big cultural idols that come up um, that, that, you know, TV culture, the grocery store, even pushes Amazon pushes us to one. I, one that I think of is just consumerism 
and the fact that we always just look at the things in front of us for what we can get from them. And um, I think one of the things that that does is it can lead us toward people for what we can get from them, for what we can consume from them. Mm. And so we become this overbearing friend and we don't ever bring anything to the table um, in the community of the friend group that we're a part of, but we expect other people to just be at our beck and call. And so we become this <laughs> uh, needy overbearing friend. And then what happens when they don't meet up to our expectations? We're like, okay, you guys are lame friends. I'm out. And so, um, <laughs> and so sometimes the pendulum can swing yeah. back and forth between isolation and then like being all in and trying to consume, consume, consume. And then people disappoint us and then we're out and it's all this messy sinful effects of the fall and how our not only our vertical relationship with god got messed up but our horizontal relationship uh with with people was messed up from from sin too Hmm. yeah i think the the interesting that i've seen is the forming community is oftentimes around um just general interest, sameness, and stuff like kind of like we're talking about. But um, I, where sometimes I've seen that go bad is just kind of a, and this is maybe getting into how the gospel speaks into community, but just kind of an uh, exclusive nature of community. I've been a part of just you know different friend groups and stuff that you know you kind of have your specific group, or if you don't have a certain, if you don't look like that group, if you don't act like that group, if you don't. Uh, have the same amount of money as that group, if you don't dress a certain way, all those kind of things, there becomes all these external markers of our community, even within the church. And this is where I think maybe the church gets it wrong sometimes, uh, is even when we do want community, uh, it's not necessarily community driven by the gospel. It's just kind of what you're saying. It's kind of, I want to be around people that are just like me. And if you're not like me or you don't have something to offer me, like you were saying, you don't really fit into this community. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the the exact opposite of how the gospel shapes community. Uh, and again, I might be jumping ahead here a little bit, but you wrote in here in your blog, Jared, about how um, how there's no greater love than this, that you would sacrifice for another, that you would lay down your life for another, that, that I think that that does help mark um, our community, that it really isn't this consumer mindset of, uh, how can I get into a group of friends that just fills my needs, that are with people that kind of make me look better, that do look good on the, you know, the Facebook picture on Friday nights because yeah. it's all these really cool, hip yeah. people around me. But um, instead of looking like that, the Bible actually calls us to 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 really be more sacrificial in community than yeah. just trying to gain something. And the odd thing with that is oftentimes when you live in that type of a community where you really are looking to to love and to care for people that maybe are different than you. You often get more life and joy from that community anyway, and so um, so I think that's another way that we just struggle is especially within the consumer mindset of um, just being very exclusive and just yeah figuring out what we can get from community rather than um, how we can actually offer something or serve or love. Yeah, I think one of the one of the ironic things about that is you were. Uh, as you were talking about like how we have exclusive little groups and we have our own way of doing things and we um, you know keep others on the outside is that quote kind of community um, really reflects individualism a lot more than our individualism in culture more than it does community because there's you think of community in this self-sacrificing thing where a bunch of people who 
maybe are different from each other come together in a beautiful, loving way, maybe like a family that's, you know, diverse in generations and all sorts of skills and whatever, live in different places. Uh, but that kind of exclusive community reflects or, yeah, it reflects maybe another cultural idol of, of individualism yep. that we have and that we want to do things the way we want to do them, how we want to do them. We want a, this level of kind of autonomy, and it's just kind of this, I mean, it, in the in the end, it doesn't work. Like, it's not true community. Uh, it's exclusive, and if you don't carry up to the, or, you know, if you don't live up to the expectations of mm-hmm. that, then you're kind of kicked out or you kick other people out. And yeah. once again, kind of marked by sin and, is a lot of times marked more by separation than uh, inclusivity. So, mm. so in light of all um, of the ways that sin has sort of messed up our view of community and maybe, um, you know, our individualism and sin nature can kind of wreck that. How is Christ's work, um, I guess, how does that inform the way we look at community now and actually like free us to sort of live in light of this new community? Yeah, I think um you know one of the greatest chapters in in my humble opinion <laughs> one, of, one of the uh, in Jared's book of greatest chapters of the Bible um Ephesians 2 comes to mind and you have uh it divided kind of into two sections and the first half um is just a amazing you know explanation of the gospel and how um, Jesus has uh, reconciled us back to God. And then, and it reflects the, the vertical nature of this reconciliation. And then in the second half, um, there's this idea of the horizontal nature of reconciliation um, between people, both to Jesus and to each other. And so the example in the passage uh, talks about um, Jews and Gentiles, and there's a very hostile kind of relationship between them, a lot of judgment. I mean, it was just laced through their culture, cultures um, and battling regularly. But the interesting thing, I think the baseline um, of how the gospel speaks into community is at the end of the day, uh, we are all sinners in desperate need. And so when we come to the foot of the cross, we are uh, on level ground. Hmm. And so there's no one who's superior. There's no one who's inferior. And those superiorities and inferiorities through cultures, through generations, um, for all of history have been the things that have a lot of times worked against community of um, people's feelings toward one another and wanting to exclude or include them Um you know, on kind of a grand scale, but you see in this passage that, that Jesus brings us together and his reconciling work reconciles us back to God, but it reconciles us back to God together. And it brings us closer together. And so when you look at someone else, it's like, oh, hey, you're messed up in need of Jesus too. Hmm. And so it it kind of frees our minds to be able to see them as brothers and sisters and, and brought into a family. And God has, you know, you could go through the Bible and see how God has created Um, like from there, how we're supposed to act together. You know, Jesus uh, not only reconciled us so we could have a spiritual father, but so we could have a spiritual family of brothers and sisters as well. And so it's just a cool picture of, of how uh, there's this horizontal reconciliation. Yeah. And I think it's just really important. Like you were saying that we do see the Bible as God saving 
of people and not just individuals because I think we, we do, we've said this, we live in an individualistic society that does focus just on our personal relationship with God. And that's just not the narrative of scripture. God is always working through families or through nations or through a church. Um, and, and I think one of the things that marks, uh, kind of a biblical community is from the very beginning, um, you know, Adam and Eve were created, and they were given this task to be fruitful and multiply and create a people um, that would give glory to God, that would image God's glory, and that we would reflect God's glory, that the whole earth would know that that God is King and Lord over all. Um, and that's, you know, no different now. You see that through the, the Exodus story. When God is redeeming a people out of slavery in Egypt, he says, I want you to come, and I want you to worship me as a people so that all the other nations may know that I am the one true God. There's this sense of he's creating a people that deeply know each other, that deeply know God, and that is uh, a light to the world. And then, you know, you can keep going, but you get to Matthew where Jesus says that his people will be uh, a city on a hill, a light to the world, that, that his people would look so different that their main purpose, I mean, this drive, the community really drives mission that, we would be kind of a city within a city or a light on a hill that would show the whole world that God is Lord and King uh, and good. And so um, I think that's important to know that any community that we form is usually formed by something. I mean, something kind of unites us. And for, you know, Christian community, it's not only what Jesus has done in us, but it's the mission that he's given us to uh, show our city, our neighborhoods, our world, um, that Jesus is Lord. And, and so, um, so I really appreciate how, you know, community isn't just, it, again, it pushes against the consumer thing where it even does, doesn't even end with you getting a family, but it's then that family having a mission and a greater purpose. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that's kind of interesting and convicting, you know, since we're all part of the same church community is that that call that you're mentioning, you know, from Exodus 19 or that covenant of people being able to look at, you know, the Israelites and see God, it doesn't end in the New Testament, uh, you know, because Peter says the exact same thing in First Peter. He uses kind of the same language. And so as we think about our church, um, uh, you know, Providence Church, it's an interesting thing to think about. Like when they look at our community, are they, mm-hmm. <laughs> are they getting a clear picture of God by how yeah. we interact with yep. each other, by how our city groups interact, by how our church interacts with each other when we gather on Sundays. That's, that's kind of a weighty thing. It is. Yeah. I mean, dude, some have said that like Christian community is probably like the first apologetic of like the gospel, right? That like, uh, beyond like f- fact and truth and sort of just sort of debating things mm. like the way that Christians like love each other. I feel like more people might see Christ or become Christians because of the way they've been treated by a Christian than like the information that has been passed by a Christian. I don't know. Yeah. Would you guys say there's any merit to that? Like, well, I I know that this isn't true across all churches or ministries, but I've I think I've said mentioned to you guys before that um, before being at Providence, uh, working in college ministry, that as I trace back all of the student college students over the previous five years when I was doing college ministry that had become Christians all did so in the context of getting plugged into a community to see what that Christian community would look like. And so most of those 
you know, people saying, hey, I'm placing my faith in Jesus happened like at the end of a small group or, Mm -hmm. you know, after like becoming real friends with people in our group, it wasn't actually, I know that sometimes it happens in response to a sermon or preaching, but I think that even in the college community that I was a part of that, that kind of reflects that fact that the, that community uh, can be a very powerful apologetic for like the realness of the good news of the gospel. Um, and I think that I, I think that's a historical thing for the church as well because you can look at the the early church and um, there's a lot of different quotes and stuff from the the Roman Empire at the time who looked in at the church and they said that they didn't only care for each other but they also cared for uh, the Roman poor and, and the lowly and stuff and it was their sense of caring for one another loving one another and just living differently that actually had the whole empire of Rome looking in and saying there's something different about what's Mm -hmm. going on here in the church. And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, you can trace that all the way to today. Most of us have stories about how community has deeply actually shaped us, either in bringing us to Christ or really helping us grow in Christ. Mm -hmm. And when I became a Christian in college, a big part of it was just a handful of people kind of coming around me and just kind of getting to view them as different like they were there was just it was different college students it was a different uh type of leader that I was looking at. I mean the whole community was just different and while I didn't become a Christian you know the first day it was intriguing enough that I was a part of it for a while until like the gospel really took root but it really was community that um I saw as just different than what I was seeing in my dorms and my classes or anything else and so uh, I think that's just a truth yeah all throughout scripture and really just all throughout time the community really does speak to a world that, uh, as we said at the very beginning, is longing for this sense of community because that's what we were created for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, as we're talking about this, I, I even think that m- right now in our time in, you know, Western culture, it might be specifically true because you think about what people say they're looking for. There's this idea of, like, authenticity and, like, hey, we want what's real. And so any idea of there being like you know the gospel's good news in fact or you know you give them some stats but then they look at you and there's this incongruence to that um it speaks directly against this value of authenticity that's been you know i guess a really really high cultural value in the last couple decades maybe and i don't know how long that's going to go on but um that really speaks to that specifically at this time a way to contextualize the gospel is to you know know the word but actually to live it out in community too yeah that's good well to get this really practical feet on the ground um jared i love the way you ended your uh blog post you gave four helpful tips um tips and tricks if you will (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if they're tricks maybe they're tricks i don't know (laughs) four helpful tips and tricks for uh you know sort of reclaiming authentic biblical community that sort of puts others first because Christ has modeled self-sacrificial love. Hmm. And so the first one, I'll just walk through real quick, is uh, show up. The second one is to talk to people. And the third one is to say yes. And the fourth one is to redeem your time. So, like, why those four? Like, why? Oh, I was just sitting around one day, and it just kind of <laughs> came up into my head as I had my computer open. Uh, well, so the, the first thing, um, so I said to show up. And a lot of this is kind of through the lens of talking to maybe people in our church as you think about, um, you know, our Sunday gathering, our city groups, the things that we have set up, prayer nights that we have. Um, And 
like you obviously can't like experience the consistent like community of the church if you're not around. Uh, but the other thing to the and so it's so it's super simple. Just show up. But one of the other things I think that is um, kind of an underlying thing to that is that uh, it reflects the whole like community is about you know it is about what you can get but it's also about what you can give and if you don't show up you can't give anything you have gifts you have skills you have talents you have people that need to be ministered to if you're not there to do it uh you know you need to show up to be there to be able to do it and so that's uh the first one the second one um uh i just say talk to people it's the simplest of simple things um but you know a lot of times we are around uh you know say a church gathering or something um, and you might clam up, you might grab your iPhone and start scrolling so you don't feel awkward. Um, but I would just say a way to, uh, you know, embrace community or pursue community is to actually go talk to people, like have real conversations, go ask some questions. It doesn't even have to be deep, but like try to make connections with people and take some initiative and pursue community, um, and conversation is always going to be a key to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the third thing, I know it, it's called say yes. Uh, I know that you, don't, you shouldn't say yes to everything. Some of you are <laughs> overcommitters. You need to say no more. Um, but I think there's just opportunities uh, where, you know, you might have people that you know that are moving or people that need a babysitter or whatever. And, man, we got – we're busy people. We got so much stuff going on. And so it's easy to say, eh, maybe I'll do it, you know, the next time somebody asks me. But uh, there are real people with real needs. And some of the smallest things, like when people have said yes to babysitting our kids or, um, you know, stuff like that, it's just a huge blessing. It's just that self-sacrificial nature of doing things that at times may seem like an inconvenience, but that's what community does. They, like, give time for each other. Um and the last thing that I said was uh, redeem your time. And that's kind of a, a fancy way of saying, like, more often than not, we're around each other already. Um, you know, we're having dinner together. We're in a group together or on Sundays together. Um, and a lot of us might feel awkward, like, going from surface level to, like, spiritual things. Uh, but, man, people are in need. Uh, people have prayer requests. Um, people could use encouragement. So take a time to break through that barrier um, and ask people if they need anything Mm. to be prayed for. Ask people if, um, you know, how your soul is doing, you know, how's Jesus been speaking to you lately and and take it to that next level. And I think it's a way to create some, some depth um, to the, to the foundation of the friendship that you might have where you usually, you know, talk about sports or, the weather or something like like that so uh anyway those things are wrong but there's a way to really dive deep Mm -hmm. spiritually if you just ask a couple questions sometimes sure yeah dude that's been one of the questions i've found just like really helpful and i always feel like an old timer when i ask it like how's your soul you know or Mm. how's how's it with your soul so to speak (laughs) um but it it is like really enlightening and i feel like um people are maybe like wanting to like be asked that question you know to be seen as like something more than just what's in front of you you know with your messy hair and your warts and whatever you know (laughs) like someone actually cares about like who i am at like the core of who i am Mm -hmm. and that's not a question we get asked very often 
Um, dude, super helpful. Thank you so much, Jared, for writing this piece. Um, that's all we have for today. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to uh, email them to info at providence.org, providenceomaha.org. Um, and yeah, I hope that this was helpful. We all hope that this was helpful for you to get just um, a picture of how the gospel shapes our community. Um, and it actually frees us to not look inward at how people can sort of serve us, but how we can, you know, flip the script, so to speak, and serve other people and be the friends that we're hoping to find because Christ has freed us to do that. Um, so let me pray for us. And yeah. Father, thank you so much for uh, the gift of Christ and the, the gift of this desire for community. Would you shape us more uh, into your people, uh, self-sacrificing people? Um, and yeah, through that, through community, Lord, would you, uh, would you make us more like Christ? In your holy name, amen. I saw the